my name is Hindel Grossman, and welcome to Inside Divorce. Today I'm speaking with Anthony Garcia, who is a commercial litigator, an attorney licensed in Colorado. And today we're going to be talking about cryptocurrency and connecting cryptocurrency to the world of divorce. So welcome, Anthony. How are you? I'm great. Thank you for having me. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, please? Sure. My name is Anthony Garcia. I'm an attorney and uh, I'm licensed in Colorado and California. Uh, ah. I've been a crypto litigator for a short while, uh, the last couple of years, but I primarily do all types of commercial litigation uh, for the last uh, six and a half years. And I really got into the crypto space just from my personal interest in it. And I've, uh, I've been delving into that. Well, there's a lot to know. Uh, there's certainly a lot of mystery about cryptocurrency, and it's been in the news a lot lately. So tell us first, I suppose, what is cryptocurrency? Sure. Uh, this is a, a topic that I talk about frequently with my clients that they might not know what it is. But how I explain it to them is, imagine if you had a QuickBooks that just had a record of all of your transactions. Um, but imagine if it was public and everyone had access to it and they could sort of see it uh, in yeah. everyone everyone's ledger gets updated in real time so what that basically is, is it's called distributed ledger technology and that's that's the technology that underlines or underlies all of the cryptocurrencies that you might have heard about yeah and all of the cryptocurrencies utilize that same sort of concept and what it does is it allows for a number of different it, it basically allows people to trust the network instead of a centralized third party. Like, for example, if you wanted to do a transaction in today's uh, economy, it would have to go through either a financial institution or a bank or something like that. Crypto yeah. is all about using the, the code, the program that comes along with a network so that you take out the middleman. And that allows everyone to really have confidence that whatever appears in the ledger is accurate and uh, not fraudulent. Uh, and it's it's really withstood the test of time. Uh, Bitcoin is the one that most people know about. And yeah. it's been around since, I believe, uh, 2007, 2008. And uh, it, it really has not had any major instances of, of a hack of any kind. And that's a testament to its, uh, the, the blockchain uh, technology and its ability to withstand uh, malicious actors. So that's generally, in a nutshell, what blockchain is and cryptocurrencies, I might have mentioned, is an application of blockchain technology to finance or currencies. And contrary to popular belief, there is no physical asset that comes with a cryptocurrency. I know when I tried to explain this to my father, he kept saying, where's the coin? <laughs> I want the coin. Oh, <laughs> right. I say he wants something tangible to really understand it, right. feel its value. Yeah. It so lives... it's really... Oh, I was the, just the say, third party then is a as a tech. Sorry to interrupt you, but okay. third party is kind of the technology. So maybe, I guess the selling point is that technology may be more reliable than people in managing financial transactions. Absolutely, and it's really just a way to facilitate peer-to-peer -peer transactions. And what's mm -hmm. good to know is that the code itself, if uh, any of your viewers have sort of coding experience is all public and everyone can audit it and so on. So that's another way that a trust is built mm. into the network. I see. Well, so trust was built in until recently with the FTX issues and the, the news, which we'll get to in a little bit. So thank you for the explanation of what cryptocurrency is. I suppose it's um, some people jumped into it enthusiastically without reservation, thinking that it was a very reliable form of, 
I guess, financial transaction and made a lot of money. Yes. Yes. I actually have personal friends who have made a, a large amount of money from being early adopters of this technology. Yeah. That seemed very risky to me, but I guess I'm financially conservative, or more than they are at least, right? <laughs> so cryptocurrency, I guess in the world of divorce, can be considered an asset, or maybe even a liability too. Why don't you help me with that? Yeah, it would certainly be considered an asset nowadays. It is a store of value in most cases. It could possibly be considered a liability in the sense that if you participate in certain kinds of cryptocurrency transactions through what's called decentralized finance, you may have tokens that are locked up uh, in some sort of smart contract, as it's called, and those tokens yeah. may be subject to loss. But that's really the only uh, scenario where it would be considered possibly a, a liability. So when, when someone buys cryptocurrency, they actually have to put some money up in order to purchase it? Yes. Yeah, so the way that it works, uh, and this kind of dovetails into the FTX situation, is in order to yeah. purchase uh, any kind of cryptocurrency, you have to do it through what's called an exchange. And this is very similar to, let's say, the NASDAQ, for example. It's just a place where buyers and sellers come together to um, exchange coins and, and even fiat currency like the US dollar. So when you purchase crypto, you actually deposit money onto a cryptocurrency exchange. Uh, through a wire transfer usually. And you can then use that, those deposited funds to trade for uh, any particular cryptocurrency that has that sort of functionality on the crypto exchange. I see. So you actually need cash in order to purchase cryptocurrency yes. to start. So you'd see it coming out of an account. So if you're tracing assets, or you want to know that someone purchased cryptocurrency, you should be able to trace it to some bank account that um, where the money was wired out? Eventually you can, and there are uh, services out there that have specialized in, in essentially tracing uh, assets and trying to recover monies from scammers and so on. I, I should mention there's also another possibility where it hasn't really achieved that much popularity quite yet, but people might actually accept cryptocurrencies as a form of payment. So if you wanted to buy a house, for example, you could trade trade your house for Bitcoin. Uh, and in that scenario, there wouldn't really be, you know, a paper trail in that sense, but you would ultimately be able to follow it back through um, checking the public ledger. Wow. Okay. So it's uh, definitely more marketable <laughs> cryptocurrency and more widely accepted as a type of something valuable to trade. It certainly is becoming that way. Yes. Yeah. Huh. Who invented cryptocurrency? You know, you no know? one really knows. Uh, it was an individual named, or a group of individuals that go under the moniker Satoshi Nakamoto. And this was mm -hmm. this was around the time of the financial crisis. And uh, they submitted, he or them submitted a uh, white paper, as it's called, just explaining the technology, the reason for it, and uh, how it functions. And it was done anonymously. No one knows who that person is. And it's just sort of taken mm. off. The reason for it is a cryptocurrency and blockchain lives on the internet. It, it doesn't have a CEO. It doesn't have anyone that you could talk to for customer service. It's just a living thing on the internet, essentially. Yeah, really? It's, yeah. it's a leap of faith. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, how, how does cryptocurrency affect the world of divorce? In a number of ways, actually. The, the first one is it, it is a really easily concealed asset. So if you have a, um, in fact, 
that's one of its original purposes, unfortunately, was used in uh, facilitating criminal transactions. We've tried to get uh -huh. away from that with money laundering laws and so on and so forth, but it's still very easy to conceal uh, if someone's not afraid of the law. So if you have a situation where one spouse is very into this sort of technology and they invest in it, perhaps without alerting the spouse, they could have amassed a large reservoir, essentially, of cryptocurrencies that may or may not have increased in value. I mean, this is a very volatile market, so it's not unlikely uh, to see 100% returns, 1,000% returns over a number of months. So you could have a spouse that's sitting on a very large fortune of cryptocurrencies and they're and the other partner has no idea. Um, mm. Oh, that's and, a problem. Yes, okay. yes. And if they are particularly prone to, uh, for example, in a divorce situation when there's a declaration of the financials of each spouse, if they omit it, it's unless you actually know that they have cryptocurrency, it's very difficult to, to prove that they have it. Is it difficult to prove? It, it can be. One of the reasons is that the, the way that you handle and transport cryptocurrencies is through the use of something called a wallet. Um, yeah. And a wallet has two components, really. It has a public address and a private key, if you will. And, and uh, we're starting to get into the technical aspects of this stuff. But the public address shows you how much cryptocurrency is at this, in this wallet, uh, but it doesn't have a name associated with it. It's literally just a cryptographic uh, string of, I don't know, 24 characters, if you will. And the mm -hmm. private key is the way that the user accesses the wallet. And that is yeah. needs to be kept extremely secret. People go to different lengths, like keeping them on a essentially a uh, like a hardware wallet, which looks like a thumb drive that keeps the keys on there and they hide that in their safety deposit box and uh, they just don't let anyone even know that it's there. Um, yeah. And so what happens is because there's so much secrecy that's involved in keeping the cryptocurrencies uh, safe from hackers and so on, that could actually lead to a situation where the spouse might not even know that it exists. Right. Okay. It'd be hard to find. All right. So. One way that it's related to divorce is it's an easily concealed asset. Are there other ways? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, and still, this area of law is, is still developing. But let's take um, decentralized finance, for example. This is an application of blockchain and cryptocurrencies that utilizes smart contracts. So there's certain um, tokens that have uh, programmable commands that are embedded in the software itself. So you could... Um, you can est establish like a loan contract, for example, that automatically executes and it, upon the occurrence of certain conditions and tokens are transferred without anyone actually pushing the send button. Uh, and that has allowed a particular uh, type of uh, field called decentralized finance that uh, comes out. And that's a way to essentially do these sort of crypto loans. And if you were a, a partner, for example, that had invested in these um, decentralized finance applications. So you deposit your tokens in this um, environment. You could actually get interest as a return, for example, uh, by other people that are essentially using your cryptocurrencies for lending purposes. So that might be uh, a source of income that 
could be significant and would want to be noted um, for purposes of calculating alimony or just general knowledge of what the financial status actually is. So yeah, that that's another major uh, area of law hmm. that people just haven't really considered yet. So if, if a cryptocurrency owner would get interest, is this reported on any kind of tax document? Well, it's supposed to be. Oh. If you're an honest taxpayer, you're supposed to uh, make note of these things. But as of yet, no government agency has really taken charge of uh, creating full-throated cryptocurrency regulations. Uh, the IRS does have its own set of rules as to how to treat cryptocurrency. The CFTC has their own rules, and most notably, the SEC treats uh, cryptocurrencies a different way. So there has not yet been a unified government approach to regulating cryptocurrencies, mm. which is one of the main issues that uh, people are complaining about with cryptocurrency regulations. Okay. Well, very interesting. So um, you're telling me it's going to be pretty difficult to find cryptocurrency if a spouse actually has it. It can be, yes. Uh, it, it's something where um, you, you do have to have at least some basic knowledge in tech to really wrap your mind around these issues, which can be difficult yeah. for some people. Uh, a lot of the times it, it, it just hasn't reached the stage yet where it's very user friendly. People have mentioned that it's, it's like we're in the 90s with uh, the advent of email. So you think about how hard it was to do email back in the 90s uh, right. and how easy it is now. That's sort of the comparison that gets made a lot. I see. Well, it sounds like cryptocurrency is here to stay. I think so, yeah. Right. All right. Well, you know, I had the occasion to send a subpoena out in a divorce case I had where we were looking for cryptocurrency information. And in response, I got 148 pages, I remember, of very small prints showing transactions in very small quantities. And um, it was hard to tell, really, what had happened. Yeah, you might even need some sort of forensic accountant to go in there to figure things out. Because a lot of times these transactions are recorded through an exchange. So I, I assume you probably got this information through an exchange printout or something. Yes. Yeah, they, they record even penny transactions. Um, yeah. So, Because it's not yeah. unreasonable for you to buy a cryptocurrency token for one penny on one day, and then a year later, it's now worth $50 or something. It, it has mm. happened that you have these massive mm. returns. So, yeah, um, yeah, right. There are lots of different cryptocurrencies now, aren't there? Oh, there's thousands. Bitcoin. Thousands, really? Thousands. Bitcoin was, was among the first? Bitcoin was the first known cryptocurrency, yes, uh, followed mm -hmm. by uh, a couple others, Ethereum, which is one of the first ones to use smart contracts. XRP is another uh, relatively well-known cryptocurrency. And then there's just a, a number of others that show up in the limelight and then might disappear a little bit down to the top 10 or 15 tokens. But uh, yeah, there's a lot of big names out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, well, something to watch out for. Let's talk about the, unless you have anything further to say on the divorce area, let's go to FTX. Sure, uh, and I know you, You've mentioned that FTX might have been an instance of the, the blockchain failing in terms of trust. But what actually happened in that situation was the on-ramps of cryptocurrency, so the cryptocurrency exchanges. That's really where the failure occurred. So FTX was a cryptocurrency exchange. I think it was based out of the Bahamas. And it was owned yeah. by um, a man named Sam Bankman-Fried, uh, right. SBF, if you've heard him in the news. And uh, it was just operated in a very uh, malicious manner. What they would do is they would 
take customer deposits, as we found out now. They would take customer deposits, and uh, they were not allowed to do anything with those customer deposits, but they went ahead and invested them anyways, almost like the fractional reserve banking system that banks use here in the United States. And they made just bad investments. Uh, they lost a lot of customer funds, or the funds were wasted, used on luxurious personal expenses. And mm -hmm. eventually, no one really knew that that was going on because no one really had internal access to FTX's books. But on one day, I think a couple of months ago, I don't remember the exact day, but there was a spat between a competitor of FTX, and the competitor suggested that FTX did not have the monies to return customer funds. And that resulted in essentially a bank run on FTX. Oh. And mm -hmm. it turned out to be absolutely true. FTX had right. did not have money to pay back customer funds. <laughs> and they were forced into bankruptcy shortly thereafter. And that's how we've learned all of these uh, revelations about what's been going on there. Uh, right. But that's just, that's not the blockchain's uh, fault. That's really just human greed. <laughs> in that yeah. situation so not technology just back to human fault yeah yeah which was which was what cryptocurrency sought to eliminate in the first place right yeah <laughs> human error <clears throat> interesting well you're certainly the person i'll turn to if i need information about about cryptocurrency or potentially how to find it in a in a divorce setting it's a little unnerving that it's so hard to find um but I guess do enough digging, maybe you can find it. Yeah, yeah. There's a couple of tricks you can use to to sort of see if someone's interested yeah. in crypto. Yeah. What would those tricks be? Well, for example, <laughs> uh, the way that most people get their cryptocurrency news these days uh, is through Twitter or through Discord. So if you have someone that's interested in cryptocurrency, they very likely will have either a Twitter or a Discord account. And if you have access to that person's phone, you can sort of search the post and kind of get an idea of which tokens they may or may not be interested in based on uh, which cryptos they're posting about. Also, if you typically to use a cryptocurrency exchange, they require something called two-factor authentication, which yeah. is basically a, a way to make your account a little bit more secure. It's not foolproof, but um, it does provide another level of protection. And yeah. uh, typically when you type in your password, you get sent a confirmation email that has a, a unique number in it uh, or a text usually and you yeah. have to input that code within 60 seconds or 30 seconds and that ensures that the person whose account it actually is is reasonably likely to be the person actually using it at this time and yeah. uh, you can you can search their emails for these confirmation uh, emails and that will that gives you a critical piece of information which is what exchanges are they using and once you can find out what exchange this person is using, you can really engage in a, in a full-throated investigation. Who would the sender be for these codes? Uh, it, would, it would be the exchange themselves. So the exchanges are, they are businesses. They are just like FTX. So they yeah. all have their internal policies on how they do it. But some of the main ones uh, would be Binance. That's, yeah. that's really the biggest player in the market right now. Uh, there's also BitTrue or Kraken. There's all these interesting names, <laughs> names for the yeah. exchanges. But uh, yeah, yeah, if you just type in and Google top cryptocurrency exchanges, you will see uh, a, a large list of them. So. I see. Okay, that's a good tip. Yeah. Good, thanks. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> well, Anthony, it's been a pleasure. Really, uh, all sorts of lots of information on <laughs> cryptocurrency and um, more than 
I need to know probably at the moment, but if I need to know more, I will contact you. And why don't you let our listeners know where they can contact you, please? Sure. Uh, they can contact me by email at agarcia at agarcialegal.com. Um, they can also visit my website, www.agarcialegal.com, and just drop me a message there um, if they want to check out what other work I do. So. Anthony, thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Likewise. Best of luck. All right. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you.